You're listening to Kapow, the pop culture podcast. Comics, television, movies, and more. If it impacts fan culture, we have something to say about it. And now, your hosts, Michael, Jordan, Cliff, and Seth. Hi, this is the illustrious Michael K. Easton. My name is Jordan Lowe. Joining us this evening is the composite Seth and Cliff, (laughs) better known as Justin Lowe. I don't know how he feels about being called that. Yeah, that may offend him. Or all three of them, I don't know. But yeah, he has combining the love of Disney that Cliff has and the love of Stephen King that Seth has into one package that could really replace both of them on a moment's notice. So, would that make him Seth and Cliff's worst arch nemesis? Or best friend. It could go either way. I smell a sequel. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we're going to talk Dark Tower tonight, the new blockbuster movie that just opened. And there's literally no one on this planet that loves Dark Tower more than my brother, Justin Lowe. He has read this whole series numerous times. He is really invested in this. So I just had to know his opinion on this and uh, share his knowledge with our audience here. So uh, we had some technical glitches. It took a little while to get some cords plugged into the right the right holes and the right ear, earphones plugged into the right heads. But Which I think we got it me, figured. It reminds me. It reminds me. It reminds me of the dreaded echo from our earlier episodes. So hopefully, I, yeah, hopefully there's nothing that bad. I was frustrated. We called in um, our tech support, Cliff. He flew in on a jet airplane, dropped in, did what he could, and out he went like a dark night. Uh, but yeah, he lost his space in line at Disney World, so now he's not going to be the first one in to get into Star Wars land. So that's how much he cares about this podcast. And I care so much about this podcast. For once, I didn't say a freaking word during the whole review. Because you hadn't seen the movie. So Seth and I had. Beware, there are some spoilers. We try not to give a whole lot away about the books, but there may be a few hints there. So uh, yeah, everything from here on out is going to have some spoilers for Dark Tower. So here is our interview. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. All right, oh my God, here we go. Later. <laughs> All right, ready? We're going to talk about some Dark Tower for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got, we got a good half hour here. Come on. All right. Uh, joining us now via telephone, our very first <laughs> remote interview we've ever done. He's all caught up in the cord. Yes. <laughs> we've got cords stretched everywhere. We've got technology going haywire. But the biggest Stephen King fan I am related to my brother, Justin Lowe. Welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I, I'm, I went next level while this was happening. I commented on Jared Lowe's Facebook post. Wow. So I'm, I got the trifecta going here. It's like Lowception or something. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the new Dark Tower movie and maybe about the books a little bit and see how this rated. We, uh... What was your anticipation for this movie, Justin? Um, this was a weird one for me. Um, you know, one one of the things that that they 
that they teach you in law school is when you bring on an expert witness like this, you have to establish his credibility. Right. That's yeah. So, <laughs> Let's hear your history here. <laughs> I've been reading Stephen King books since long before I probably should have been reading Stephen King books. I literally would get them from the bookmobile, bring them home, and devour them as fast as I could. Right. Um, when I graduated high school way too many years ago, uh, my family got me the Stephen King Library, so every year at Christmas I get that wrapped box, you know, and I know what it is. Everybody knows what it is. There's mm -hmm. no surprise. Um, the Gunslinger Dark Tower books, I've read them probably six times completely, front wow. to back. Um, wow. Actually, I just finished it uh, the Tuesday before I saw the movie. Um, so to say that I had high expectations is an understatement. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. But, I can't imagine. But I also I know imagine. that, you know, for every Shawshank redemption, there's an apt pupil. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's incredibly hard to translate Stephen King to film. That's true. Um and I sort of stayed away from reviews. Uh you know, I sort of read who was being cast because that, you know, who's going to play Roland has been, you know, a, a pop culture question for 15 years now. Right, and Clint Eastwood um, just keeps getting older. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I sort of stayed away from any of the, you know, the hype machine that that always happens before this. So I, I kind of went in with a blank slate. Um, you know, I didn't really know, you know, what the story was going to be focused on. I, I, I did one of the few pop culture type movies that I walked into cold. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. So with now, obviously, having read all several thousand pages way too many times you know i know the story upward down front and back um so it was uh, yeah it was it was different um i sort of always expected that when i finally got to see the first gunslinger movie that it's like the lucasfilm thing you know the house lights would go down and that phrase would pop up the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed right that that didn't really happen we got no. to that point but it wasn't until like 15 or 20 minutes into the movie. So I was a little surprised by that because that's such an iconic opening line of, of the book. Right. Um, it right. seems like it should have been there, right? You know, like you said, right? Started off like that on the right foot. Yeah. But, uh, um, but uh, you know, clearly they, they wanted to tell a, a different story than what was in the books. And if you've gotten through all of the books, you sort of understand how they can tell yeah additional yeah. or different stories right let's take uh take a moment here to say that we're gonna spoil the movie obviously we're you know just go ahead and <laughs> get over it anybody listen to this anybody that saw that movie and still wants to listen to this then uh it, you're, we're gonna we're gonna talk about everything that happened you know that we're interested in and we're also you know we potentially could spoil some book stuff. We might give you a little warning on that, but uh, yeah, we should try not to spoil the maybe the main big ending. Yeah, but, yeah I mean, I, I guess he touched on it there, just the fact that this could be told. You know, this story is possible to be told the way it it was told. But uh, yeah, I read the book series years ago. You know, and then I think I caught up to it when I read probably the drawing of the three in the early nineties and the wasteland came out shortly thereafter. And, you know, then just went along with everyone else. Uh, the, I have never returned to it. I've a friend of mine read it recently and I discussed it with her while, as she read it. So I kind of have it fresh in my mind somewhat. 
but definitely a big, big different take in the movie. Starting off with the fact that it's from Jake Chambers' perspective, which is, you know, not what I was, what I was expecting, I guess, from the previews. But I was, I not, not what I would have done. Yeah, I, I tried to go in with that same open mind, but literally that opening uh, text where it said, you know, what to say, that a child's mind can destroy the tower. I was immediately like, no, wait, what? Yeah. That's a little simplified. <laughs> simplified. <laughs> yeah. That's not, that's not in the books either. That's not a book thing, as far well, as check. I recall. Let's check. Yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go to the expert. <laughs> Is that in the books at all, anything about children's minds? Yeah. No, there, there's nothing in the books about, about the, the mind of a child. There's not, one of the things that, that they kept coming back to was they said that Jake had the shine. Oh, yeah. Which that was pretty obvious. That, yeah. That's a callback to The Shining. Um, that's the shitting boy. You want to get sued? <laughs> <laughs> they, um, you know, in the books, they talk about Jake having the touch. And they, they sort of use that as a, as a, a catch-all for like some low-level psychic ability to be able to know what other people are thinking or to sort of read thoughts. But they didn't, you know, they didn't put it in quotation marks or call it the shine like they did in in the uh, in, in the movie. Right. Right. Um. Well, I'm getting a a little echo there. Are you getting anything? Uh, not too bad. Okay. Um. Let's see where to start. Well, what what do you think of the casting of uh the gunslinger idris elba um i, I like idris elba um yeah. I, I think there's a a sort of gravitas that he can bring um that really works for roland's character uh mcconaughey i mean you know the the, the character of walter <laughs> is a gleefully malevolent spirit and uh, you know mcconaughey basically fits that to a t um you know he didn't he didn't sort of, uh, you know, go to that that Owen Wilson place that he can go sometimes in his roles. He he sort of kept it sort of dark and 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 brooding, which I think is exactly what the character needed. Um, I like the kid. Uh, I don't know anything about him. I don't know if he's ever done anything or not. Ah, uh, yeah, but, he was uh, in he was in a movie. I think he was in Little Children several years ago. Patrick Wilson. I think it actually had Jackie Earl Haley in it. Um, mm. uh, yeah, he was in this and. Um, I, I thought McConaughey, well, of course, I, I really like Eater Selby. He was the best part of the movie. I, I was excited to hear he was cast as a gunslinger because, you know, I just thought that was a great way to go with it. The, you know, I thought the kid did a fine job. Matthew McConaughey was just like such a generic evil bad guy to me, like just bad for the sake of being bad, which is kind of the character, but just the way the costuming was and, things like that and the, some of the silly things he said and that and the fact that his motivation simply seemed to be just to destroy the power and release evil which we never really got a sense of why that was so right. important yeah. yeah but I, I would agree with that yeah i i really like the actor idris elba but i my problem with his casting is something i don't think i don't know who i would rather in that role because the idea of Roland, the idea of the gunslingers, it is an iconic sort of thing. You know, they are the knights of old, and they are the stories. You know, they even say, 
you know, he inspires the myths that we've all heard. It's all they're all based on this line of gunslingers and things. So you would almost want an actor. You need a Clint Eastwood or a John Wayne, somebody that brings our you know cultural baggage with them. Of you know, like I, like the movie Unforgiven. You know, Clint Eastwood works so well in that role because you have these memories of dozens of other movies he's made, and like the Shootist, John Wayne's last movie. It was about an aging guy. You know, and and you know the West is dying, and it's the same sort of way. So I don't know what actor could portray that. There, we don't have an iconic cowboy at the moment. Tommy Lee Jones maybe is about the only person I could think of, but yeah, I, I don't know what actor could embody that. You know, has a depth beyond just you know what's on the surface there. I thought so much the the plot of changing, you know, because the whole thing with Jake is so not that in the books. <laughs> I mean, he, he's got, you know, the shine, like you say, and he's having nightmares and seeing this apocalyptic, you know, other world with the gunslinger and the man in black. And, you know, that's fine. But he he doesn't, in the books, he gets to, he goes to Midworld, you know, by being, by dying. And then this is just totally different. <laughs> it, 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 it I don't. I don't know what to make of it. I liked some of it. I like. I didn't. The kid didn't bother me. I, the woman that played um, his mother did a fine job. I thought the stepdad was such a character of every stepdad that there's ever been. And uh, I don't know. I'm curious. Uh, what do you think? Of, I mean, for an 88 minute movie, for the first half hour to have been what it was, you know, the rat people coming. To, looking for i like some of that i like the them chasing him down on you know on the rooftops and stuff but it just was i felt like we should have been in midworld already uh, yeah i and again this is you know i don't want them to just do a literal visual retelling of the books although that would have been awesome why not um, they the, you could do that with lord of the rings or something like that i mean this is as big a scope why why limit it um i think because they they guaranteed peter jackson three three-hour movies and i don't think that <laughs> yeah. the directors i don't think the producers here have that kind of guarantee but i, I think for me, I think the the reason that I am kind of okay with the Jake centric story is that in reality, without the books, you know, because there this is going out to millions, hopefully millions of people who've never read the books before. Jake is me as a viewer. He is my window into the world of Roland and into Midworld. And if if we start in Midworld and then all of a sudden this kid shows up. And just starts being annoying and asking questions like, "What's that? What's this doing? Where are you going? And you know, <laughs> why do you have these guns?" Um, you throw them we're going to think that trestle. kid's annoying. <laughs> yeah. So you know, if if we like the kid, if we identify with the kid, then he becomes our. And I, I'm sure there's some literary construct term that I don't know about, but you know, he's he is the person that we that represents us as the clueless audience. Right. You know, so when he asks Roland. You know, why are you sad? Why, why, you know, why are you chasing this? Why are you revenging yourself on, on, on Walter? We actually get the answer. Um, and if you're not familiar with the, with the source material, you know, you've got to have that kind of handed to you. And to do that through the character of Jake, I think makes sense in what is essentially an origin story. So. Yeah. 
I, I just but wonder. Again, what, I, I, I do I recognize that we didn't get to the, the character whose origin story it is. We didn't get to him until 25 minutes into the movie. So. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what they're... Whether they really, I mean, I, I know that they plant, they had hopes of having more movies and it's not totally off the table, but it's not looking good. Um, yeah. And I just wonder, like, what, how much was cut out of this? Because some, some of it was so choppy there when they finally did get to Midworld. Like, I honestly, I watched this probably a week ago and I already am like, barely can remember what happened when they were in midworld i know they shot at some stuff <laughs> and, you know it was just it, it I, I didn't hate the movie when i was when i, I don't hate the movie i was as much as i had heard bad about it i was actually pleasantly surprised i was like and i and i you know told my friend you you should actually go see it if you read the books you should go see it because you know, yes, it's different, and we, you know, if you've read the books, you know how it could be different. So that that's actually something to touch on because what they Stephen King tweeted out about the Horn of Eld recently before the movie came out and said, you know, this, you know, one last time, and he had a picture of the Horn of Eld and that, you know, one last time, and we know what that means if you've read the books that this, you know. You know, it, it built it up for me, really. Like, I thought, oh my gosh, we're going to, he's involved in this. It's all going to, you know, we're going to see what one last time looks like. And I just can't believe that this is what it looks like. Yeah, I got no sense of that because that was from the beginning. It's, oh, this is, you know, either a sequel or something with, you know, past the books. And I, I, I tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I got no indication. I'm not yeah. even a little Easter egg of anything no. like that. It just seems like it's very much its own thing. I think it got cut yeah, out. I, I would agree. They, I I never saw because I was actually looking at Roland's character to see if I could spot the horn of Eld, and I didn't see it in his gunna. So, well, I thought if it, I, I, if it's a part of his stuff. I didn't see it. I thought it was in his pack on his back, like maybe there was like a round thing on the back of his pack, and I thought that was like the end of it sticking out. So they certainly didn't call any attention. Oh, to no, no. They, they didn't give us diehards anything to chew on. Yeah, it definitely was. It just I was really wanting something from that, some mention of it while during the movie, and I didn't get it. Um, uh, my view of the whole thing is almost like when I got home and thought about it a little bit, I, I thought back to being a kid, and I had a ton of classic literature. I had Moby Dick and I had Treasure Island and I had, but they were all these abridged kind of kids versions that were a hundred pages long. And when I was that little, I'm like, yeah, I've read all this classic literature, but you know, I wasn't getting anything there. There, there's no depth or breadth there. And this is kind of what that felt like. This is like, Hey, you want to know about the, the dark tower? Here's kind of the most surface elements of it. And here's all these characters and a very basic plot line, but it had left out all the mythology, all the world building, all the characters, and I know we're going to get into the, the idea of Kaw, but uh, it just it kind of left out all the good stuff. What? Well, yeah. What do you think was if there was anything else you would you felt that it needed? Uh, I mean, it, it seems like you're pretty happy with just the fact that it got to the screen at all. It's nice to see something, and I agree with that. But if there's something else it needed to, uh, you know, make it a little little more palatable what would uh, what would be the first thing you would have liked to seen in there I, I think touching on some of the mythology um, 
you know, the, the, the idea of Ka, this, this mix between fate, uh, and, and destiny that sort of drives Roland's character and drives a lot of the, 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 the bonding between characters was completely absent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that, you know, if you're going to, like Jordan said, if, if you're going to build a world, if you're going to build mid-world that, that's going to make people want to come back to it, I think you've got to give some extra motivation for these people to stick together. You know, the, the Jake character, he's going to stick by Roland because he literally has nothing left. Right. Um, yeah, he's and, like, you know, he, and that's yeah. such a passing thought to mention that, you know, to it then. Hey, you got nothing here. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you just uh, stick with me? Yeah. And and then it becomes a you know they sort of scamper off into a building and it you know they're they're off on a, a bunch of buddy cop adventures. That was it was an odd end to this particular chapter in the story. But um, yeah, I, I just you know, the 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 mythology of Midworld and Gilead and all of these places is so rich and so very. You wouldn't even had to have given me all of it because I don't think you could in an hour and a half movie. But no. you've got to at least touch on it. I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and I said, if you just ignore it for the first movie or two, then it becomes sort of a midi-chlorian-type situation where, at the end, you try to shoehorn in this clunky explanation for stuff, and people don't like it. So. Right. Yeah, they could have just... I feel like they should have just done straight a straightforward first book. Just do the first book. and You know, instead of... I don't know the whole different take on it. It's just I feel like they're got. I, I, my biggest problem is like where do they go from here? Where they've where they've taken it? You know I, I don't I don't remember what what how is the Man in Black resolved in the first book? Uh, Roland catches up to him uh, after he passes through the mountains and separates from Jake, uh, and they have a palaver oh, that yes. maybe yeah. lasts a thousand years and. Aren't Walter they in a cave or something? The yeah, they're they're in a, a, a dusty Golgotha of bones, which is I, I love that phrase. Um, <laughs> and Walter pulls out the tarot deck, and and Roland pulls out the Lady of Shadows and the uh, the the one with the monkey on his back, and and Death, but not for you, Gunslinger. Mm. And mm. and that really sets up two through seven. Yeah. Um, so. But what Marvel Comics did when they did the adaptation, they started with the flashback stuff. They started with Roland as a kid. So there, there's really either what you could start at book one or you could start chronologically, and this movie chose to do neither. <laughs> yeah. I did. I, I mean, basically, they originally the plan 10 years ago, you know, maybe not that long ago, Damon Lindelhoff and J.J. Abrams were supposed to be in charge of this, and then it went on to Ron Howard and... You know, he produced it, but, you know, left it to this new guy. I'm not sure how to say his name. Nikolai something is the Arsel, I think, is the director. And then they're all going to supposed to have this companion TV series that I'm interested in. And they still seem to act like they're doing, even though I'm not sure after all this whether it will happen. But I'm, well, I'm under the impression that it's going to be based on book four the flashbacks in book four which that's you know my favorite book of the series so i'm interested in that what did you think of have you heard that and what did you think of that yeah actually 
if I was picking up this story in the middle, that book for Wizard and Glass is one of the best standalone books without any of the, the gunslinger mythology to back it up. That's one of the best standalone books I've ever read. You are so immersed in that in that story. It, basically, it's, it's a flashback to when Roland was young and he meets the love of his life um, and sort of learns that the world is terrible <laughs> and, right. and it's full of awful right. people doing awful things forever. Um but you know, if you want to get people hooked who maybe don't know the whole mythology, if you can produce that story of Wizard and Glass, you're going to get a lot of people hooked because that story, just encapsulated in and of itself, is amazingly good. Oh yeah, I love love that book. So, do you think the movie is that what it was trying to do uh, with the Dennis Haysbert character and his fate? Was it trying to encap? I mean, did that capture all the tragedy and torment of Roland's life? I said to me that seemed almost like you know Spider-Man's origin or Batman's origin. It's it was it was too simplified. You don't get that he has to sacrifice everything in the pursuit of this tower. You just get the one kind of tragic moment, and is that enough to really feel for Roland? I I, I don't know. Yeah, it was it was never it was never to me that it was going to be in, in in the books. It's not you killed my dad. <laughs> you know, it's it's not that old cliche. Yeah, and, and I think that it definitely, and, and this is bad, just the death of his father is not enough to plumb the depths of Roland's character. But McConaughey touches on it in, in a line that Walter has. He's something about everyone who walks with you dies, or, or you, you murder everyone that walks with you. It, there's a couple of different versions of it, many different versions in the book, but I know they touched on it in the movie. Um, so I'm hoping that that at least sets the table for we're going to see a whole bunch of Roland's compatriots die standing right next to him over the years because that's that's what drives Roland. That that's what shows what kind of character Roland is is literally people everyone who comes into my circle is dead and yet I keep going. And that, that's a, that's another problem and, and we'll we'll get to that Roland motivation thing I'm sure here in a, in a minute or two. But yeah, I mean did did you ever get a sense in the movie that the tower is even that important. Like, what is the tower? Is it, it's you know it's it's holding reality together or whatever. That's too I don't know maybe vague of a concept. But you know, is it worth all these people dying? You know, the book tries to convince you that it is, and it kind of damns Roland's soul for him to pursue this almost. So I I didn't quite get those stakes in the movie. I, I don't even remember how they explained what the tower even was. I don't even know if they did explain <laughs> what the tower even was. It was just so that was the only thing that. Uh, probably my biggest negative of the movie was the how generic they treated it when it feels so rich reading the books. Well, you know, that's we sound like every book reader ever <laughs> that's upset, but I feel like we have a reason. <laughs> no, 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 no. They totally <laughs> drew in the dirt with some sticks. I remember there, there was a fire. There was it was night. They were in the in the 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 haunted abandoned um, uh, amusement park before old Mr. Wilson came out and. <laughs> <laughs> you know, said that he'd have got away with it if it weren't for you. Yeah, freaking gunslingers. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, and it, but it was real, really superficial. It's like, look, there's a circle, and then there's a stick in the middle, and there's some spokes. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's a bicycle wheel. <laughs> Not exactly the nexus of all existence. Right. Uh, yeah, but it's, you know, Jordan's right. They, they definitely could have added some heft 
to that explanation of center of the universe. Yeah, I know. I know that's your biggest gripe is the the vengeance part and like the simplification of Roland's mission. I don't know. Do you want to speak to that? Like, was that? Yeah. It, when we meet Roland of Gilead in the books, the only thing that he is focused on is the tower, getting to the tower, saving the tower. That that's it. Everything else is secondary. And and if it's something that, you know, if he is presented with a side quest that doesn't help the tower, that doesn't help his his main thrust to get to the tower, he doesn't care. Alternatively, if he's got to shoot an entire town dead because they stand between him and the tower, he'll do it, and he does it in the first book. Um, you know, he they, they touch on a, a, a dozens of times that. In his dreams since he was a child, he has seen himself approaching the tower at sunset through a field of, of blood-red roses, and, and he would call out the names of the dozens or hundreds of people that have fallen at his side, and he would, you know, breach the tower door and ascend to the top and, and find out what is at the tower, what is at the center of all humanity. It's Dennis Haysbert. Yeah, and, and in this movie, it's you, you, you told my dad to die, and he died, and now I'm really angry at you. <laughs> yeah, what season? It, it, it loses some of the gravitas a little bit. Yeah, what season of 24 is this? <laughs> I, I had heard that there was a chance that he w- might show up in the TV series, Dennis Haysbert, and uh, even Idris Elba. Well, like, they were talking like all these people would be involved except like McConaughey. But I don't think I'm not holding my hopes out. Um, I my biggest thing I miss, uh, like I, I I wanted to see Eddie, and you know I wanted to see Oi, and every I want to see everybody, <laughs> and I know I'm not going to get that in an hour and a half, but I want you know yeah. I I want a drawing of the three movie, you know I and I don't feel like they've you know did good enough at the box office that they're going to get there. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm afraid that you might be right there. Although we we did get a little bit of oi, there was the the talking raccoon commercial on TV in the hospital. I think. So that was one little shout out to the to the you know yeah. head of nineteen. But um, yeah, I, I I'm not sure that that those box office numbers are going to get them what they want. So. Right. Well, that that stuff I actually liked more than I thought I would from the trailer. That fish out of water in New York, like those those scenes were actually pretty good. I like the scene in the hospital. He, he tips the the nurse with the gold coin, and like that stuff I actually enjoyed. I thought I would uh, kind of roll my eyes at it, but I liked it. Yeah, the hot dog line that was funny. <laughs> I, my 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 one really minor gripe though, I didn't like the guns. And I'm not a gun person. I don't know anything about firearms, but like you know, the book just describes them so majestically. They have such a sense of how sacred they are and what they mean. And I, I don't know. They well, a they didn't treat them that way. And b even like the sound design, the gunfire didn't sound. It was like pachoo pachoo. I, I just <laughs> it just I don't know. It didn't it didn't work for me. The guns didn't uh, have that sense of epic scale I wanted. That didn't bother me that much. I thought I thought it looked pretty good. I don't. I can't remember what they sounded like. Uh, it just wasn't they that were deep. Black. Oh, yeah, man. it was like it was almost like an automatic weapon or something, or through a silencer. It was. I. I don't know. I, I was expecting a big, you know, heavy, you know, 
thunder coming out of those barrels and it was just bang 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 so they get there to the end and well i'm trying to remember exactly what happened jake's like holding the portal open with his mind and and you're thinking so you know roland can get in but now man in black just goes back to earth to fight him um yeah. How, so how do you think, how do you like the resolution? How he killed him is, should he even have been able to kill him? And I mean, I, I'm well, curious. If one, if you stayed like I did until they turned the lights back on in the theater, um, hoping against hope that there might be a, a you know, a, a Marvel-esque <laughs> credit scene, the last thing you hear is a little whistle. And and if you remember, the the Walter character would often whistle as he would, you know, try to spook people out or when he'd come into a situation. So, right, yeah, he ain't dead. He yeah, he they're <laughs> not going to kill McConaughey off in in the first of you know a planned three movies. Um, although somebody online tried to tell me that 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 was the sound of the horn of Elb, and I'm like, no, that oh, was come Matthew on. McConaughey. <laughs> um, you know, you've got to give. You've got to give the masses what they want, and and if you've got a character called the Gunslinger, you got to have him shooting it out. Right. Um, it was a little weird that he was mostly shooting at Neo from the Matrix, um, <laughs> yeah. but I, you know, I, I kind of it, it serves the movie. Um, I, I don't know if it serves the story, um, but it looked cool in the trailers. Uh, you know, they got to do a lot of slow motion reloading. Um, you know, it, it it didn't bother. I didn't love it, but it didn't bother me. It, it didn't take me out of the movie any further than anything else did. So yeah, by that time in the movie, I was like, I finally figured out what this movie was, and I was like, okay, it's as good enough an ending as anything. <laughs> uh, that works. I think this could build towards something interesting. Uh, as uh, this could be a good first step, but if, like I said, if it fails money wise, if if this is the only step we get, I'm going to be super disappointed. Unless they reboot it in five years. But, yeah, I, I think there's something to build from here. Am I wrong? I, I agree. Um, you know, we, we've got we've got characters that I, that I think are designed to make people care about them. You know, like the character of Eddie uh, in the first book when, when he arrives. It's hard to like Eddie. It's hard to like, you know, Detta and, and Odetta. Um, I think it's a little easier to like Jake, uh, you know, he's a poor orphan boy that's, you know, fallen in with his hard crowd now and has got to, you know, grow up in the in the, the realm of Midworld and try to figure out how that works. You know, I, they've got a basis. Um, whether or not they get the opportunity to do anything, you know, time and, and, and money will tell. All right, any other uh, thoughts you didn't get to... Get to get to you yeah, tonight. Get it all out. We're ready. <laughs> um, I I did I did appreciate the the multiple Stephen King Easter eggs. Oh right, right, um, right. You know, I, I think obviously, you know, if you finish the books and you've gotten or gotten into six and seven, you understand why there's so much stuff there from the Stephen King universe. My favorite one of all of them, you know, some of them were a little bit blatant. There was, you know, the shrink has the picture of the Overlook Hotel from The Shining on his desk. And at one point, the kid is blatantly pushing a car. It looks like Christine. (laughs) Uh, It was a little blatant. But uh, Roland and and Jake are escaping from the basement of the ammunition store. Roland runs around the corner and slams into a, a, a concrete wall. And on the wall is the same poster of Rita Hayes 
Hayworth that hung in Andy Dufresne's cell in Shawshank. Yeah. And I thought, okay, you know what? That that is, and it's only on screen for like a half a second. But I was I was pretty impressed with that. That that's some like third level. Yeah, that's Easter egging, right? yeah. This is the kind of movie to just go ahead and do that. Just get, <laughs> just do it. Well, there were the rumors they were building kind of a Stephen King universe, and that the It movie and some of these other new movies are going to kind of take place in the same world. I, I don't know that that shed any new light on that, but I, I'd be okay with that. I, I, I will tell you that the they ran the trailer for It before my my viewing of the Gunslinger, and the next night I started back through the book of It because. That that trailer looked fantastic. Um, it actually looked way better than any of the Dark Tower trailers that I had seen. So yeah, I, I was I saw the It trailer before some movie. I've watched so many movies in the last couple of weeks. Um, watched the newest one in the theater, and it scared me to death. <laughs> I was I was like, I don't know if I could go see this. Um, yeah. I, I, I did, did see another uh, Easter egg that there. I didn't notice it when I was watching, it, but the uh, one uh, there was a store called Barlow and Straker, mm-hmm. which of which is the head vampire and his human familiar from Salem's Lot. Yep, but that was pretty good. I didn't notice much of anything else. So, um, yeah, by, by the time it comes out, we might have our technology figured out here on the podcast. You can come <laughs> back and review that. Too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, if they can keep releasing Stephen King properties via film, I, I will definitely try to figure out how this computer thing works. To it, I well, can it's, talk it's to other funny. I was somewhere far away. I was. Uh, I, well, that's uh, a little, for, little our fault, a little uh, your fault, whatever. But I was reading the the Marvel books, to kind of uh, refresh my memory, the origin stories, and there was an interview with Stephen King in the back. He did at a Comic Con, and they were asking him about you know how how why he gives his his blessing to so many things so many movies and he, he mentioned that there was like off-broadway carry production like he's he just basically says yes to anything because he's just curious to see what would happen and he said i know a lot of them are probably going to suck but i'm open to just see you know he just wants to be experimental and try it and i'm like that's kind of a cool attitude so many artsy fartsy creators are like no my work is so precious but stephen king's just like yeah let's just roll the dice and maybe we'll get a good one out of this yeah there have been some well, good ones He's been told that he's an awful writer for his entire career. <laughs> so on some level, he probably feels a kinship with people who are going to go out and create bad content. <laughs> because, you know, because one of them might hit. One of them might be, you know, some director is going to go out and, and you know, make a, a version of some short story that he did. But it's going to turn into that director's carry that, yeah. that is going to yeah. explode and, 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 you know, give us a new amazing artist yeah i got a question so what would be if you could something of his that has not been brought to the screen yet what what would it be short story uh, i literally just literally just stood up and turned around to look at my entire stephen king collection um <laughs> i know what i'll say my number one thing one of my favorite books um well, well just this one story in it was uh the long walk i love that when i, I remember reading remember reading that uh you know, when I was young, and then for several years, I had some nephews turning fifteen. It's just like every, for three nephews in a row, when they turned fifteen, I gave them that book. Uh, I was like, "Just read this. This is a good age to read this book." And I, I just remember loving that. And I like you know, liked the whole thing, like the ending, and 
Yeah, that was that was one of the ones he wrote under the the Richard Bachman pseudonym. Right. If you haven't read it, I, I can't believe in in a culture where reality television is on twenty seven hours a day on four hundred different channels. What the plot basically is is it's a reality television show, and you start they get a bunch of people and you start from point A and you just start walking, and you walk until you can't walk anymore. And yeah. when you're done walking, they shoot you, and you're dead. <laughs> yeah, you have to keep, you have to keep above four yeah. mile an hour. And they, it's you're followed along by the army and tanks and everything else, and and you can they give you a warning if you're going too slow, and you can kind of play it off. Um, and and if you're the last guy alive, you get everything you ever want for the rest of your life forever. Right. Or you die. And I'm like, how has that? In the culture we live in, how is that? I mean, that's almost reality at this point. Right. So I can't believe they haven't made that one. Um, for me, um, da, 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 da. probably the one that I haven't seen that I think would be good is uh, it's a little story called Eyes of the Dragon. Oh, well, yeah. That's really right. really that's... early on. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it, it Right now, it's going to look like a Game of Thrones ripoff. It's, it's mm. a castle mm. and a dragon. And somebody gets, the king gets poisoned and, and who did it? And, oh, was it Walter? I don't know. Um, that seems to be somebody out there is going to play on the popularity, popularity of Game of Thrones and, and those sorts of shows and get a, 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 a making of Eyes of the Dragon up and running pretty quickly. Yeah, well, that's that's a I great. I want to see this Mr. Mercedes thing, but I don't get that channel. So oh, you can you can watch the first two episodes online. If, if you, I'll, Are there? Okay. I was going to bring that up because I don't I don't get it either. It's just Direct TV, I guess. But uh, yeah. but um, yeah, I, we went online and looked at it, and the first two episodes were on there. So of course, of course, I had to watch the first five minutes just to <laughs> just to see how that book starts. Um, yeah. I, I never did get read the next two parts of that trilogy though, so they're I, not bad. First one's the best, but the other two aren't bad. Yeah, well, I love Eyes of the Dragon though. That, that's yeah. a good pick. We threw it out to social media and asked some folks if they had any opinions on Stephen King or you know their favorite stuff, and we had a couple responses. Uh, Larry Hot, our good friend, you can find him on Twitter at Mumfrey nine nine nine. You should follow him. He said he read Christine and saw the movie and was pleased how that was handled, but he hasn't picked up a novel since then and really has no desire to read through the books. <laughs> but he did, he did, he saved it with he'll look for the graphic novel adaptations of The Dark Tower at Asylum Comics next time he's through. So <laughs> Great yeah, save, Larry. Yeah, yeah, Larry gives a little <laughs> plug to the shop and our well-stocked Stephen King section of All the Dark Tower Needs in Marietta, Ohio on 3rd Street. <laughs> uh, thanks, Larry. And then Ansley McDaniel, uh, my artist friend who illustrated... Bluff Creek, the comic book from SoPro Comics, also based in Marietta, Ohio. Uh, I asked her if she'd seen Dark Tower because I know she's a huge Stephen King fan, and she says she hasn't even seen it yet. Uh, quote, I was initially excited and happy with the actor choices, and the first teaser was good, but the more trailers that were released, the less enthusiastic I became. For me, it seemed like they'd just gone the way of World War Z and disregarded most of the written material and just slapped the same title on it. But she admits, I have not seen the film, so I could be wrong, but that was her impression. And her, her recommendations for Stephen King adaptations, she loved The Dark Half, Pet Cemetery, Silver Bullet, and, of course, The Shining. Uh, so you can follow her on Facebook or Instagram, Art by Anz, A-N-Z, Art by Anz. Check out her art there. Well, she named some good books there. Uh, I'm, 
You know, I, when you when you really sit down and look at a list of everything that he has created, it's hard not to be impressed. He's definitely one of my favorite authors, and I I love so many of those books. Yeah, even so. if there's more misses than hits, I mean, he's he's got he's got a pretty good. Yeah, pretty what was good the record. first one you wrote? my first Stephen? I didn't discover him till uh, I found a, co- a paperback copy of Misery in the late 80s, I believe, and read that, and I was hooked. I just gobbled everything up after that. Uh, first one I read, we had a, a, a very interesting neighbor growing up who sort of just acquired things. I don't know exactly legally, but he had a huge stack of paperbacks with the covers ripped off, uh, which means that whoever sold them um, had reported them as like remaindered and had tossed them. Yeah. So I think he dumpster dove to get them. Uh, I'm sure the so statute of limitations has passed. Dead zone. Yeah. Yeah, I think Dead Zone was the first one I read. That's and a great I one. Obviously went back and got the rest of them. And from across the room, the illustrious Michael K. Easton just said the Stand. He loved the Stand miniseries. Yeah, that's uh, back when these books were super big back. <laughs> Try to read it or the Stand back then. I don't. Yeah, to settle in, take y'all winter. Did you read the novel The Stand, Michael? Or are you just talking about? Oh, Michael read a book without pictures. Whatever. That was like a thousand pages long. Fake news. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we definitely appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your knowledge. Is there anything else we may have left out? Uh, not that I know of. We've I've I've talked too long. So <laughs> no, I appreciate appreciate you guys giving a forum to, to to stuff like this. I think it's you know it, it's good to get some of this stuff out and and, and talk about it in a forum that 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 works, that makes sense. So uh, you guys are doing a, a great job. Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming that at some point, um, based on the last show that I listened to, that Gal Gadot is going to come in and be a co-host for one of you. <laughs> well, we're, that's what you're here for. You're auditioning to replace Cliff. Excellent. <laughs> so I got the Stephen King stuff. I got the Disney stuff. You know, I, I bring a little bit to the table there. So. Yeah, so that's we're really just trying to have new people to take his place. Yeah, but we're interviewing Gal tomorrow. <laughs> So don't hold your breath. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I think all in all, I think we uh, appreciated what they did with the the movie. I was, I was overall pleasantly surprised after how low my hopes were after seeing some of the trailers. So, uh, I, I, I would say anybody that is a Dark Tower fan or a big Stephen King fan, it's you wouldn't go wrong to at least try it, and maybe your dollars will go towards getting this you know, furthered in some way. I would agree. So go on out and help support these struggling, um, you know, movie studios. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that wraps it up for this uh, special long distance interview with Justin Lowe. Thanks everybody. Thanks Thanks. a lot. Long days and pleasant nights, Justin. (laughs) And may you have twice the number. Boom. Nailed it. (laughs) All right, that was a pretty good episode of you guys reviewing The Dark Tower. I was in the corner. Uh, I may have snickered a time or two. Uh, it's usually just Jordan with his cleverness, lowness. Uh, unfortunately, you're, you're a Stephen King fan. I mean, you, yeah, surely you, you, yeah. that cheesy. If you love cheesy '80s horror, you've got to love Stephen King. I, well, I don't have. I've I've not read as many books as all you people have, but I am a huge fan of Salem's Lot. Love the book. Hated the movie. Although there was a sequel to Salem's Lot, the movie that starred, I think, Drew Barrymore as a kid, or some other girl that looked 
The reason why, what I'm getting at is I was at that right age where I was crushing on whoever was the female little girl in this. I was around the same age, so don't get all <laughs> creepy with me. Yeah, we're going to have to check the release date for this movie. And... It was Return to Salem's Lot. Oh. Very loosely based. I don't even know if it was loosely based. Okay. Uh, but I, I do, yeah, I was... How can you not like Stephen King? I mean, he's a icon, and what more can you say? <laughs> <laughs> not much, so that's probably it, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so, as always, I am the most illustrious... I was going to say Spider-Man for some reason. I feel like crawling on the walls right now. Uh, I am the most illustrious Michael K. Easton. I hope you enjoyed this episode Jordan Lowe, where can they find us? Hey, check out The Kapow Podcast on Twitter. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're at youdownwithkpp.com. We're on all the uh, Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes. If you give us a five-star review on iTunes, we'll love you forever. So, hey, thank you for listening and sticking with us. And since Seth has already left the building, I'll use his catchphrase and say goodbye forever. Kapow! The Pop Culture Podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during the podcast are property of copyright holders. All original content is property of www.udownwithkpp.com.